Welcome to the Speaking Light into Abortion podcast, where I talk about all the reasons it's possible for you to thrive after your abortion. I'm your host, Amanda Kingsley, and two years after my own abortion, I certified as a life coach so I could serve women after abortion in all the ways they've been deserving and lacking for centuries. Consider this your launchpad for finding strength and community in yourselves and in each other. All right. Um, This is an exciting podcast for me. Um, So you don't know this. Simone, well, you probably don't know this. <laughs> See why you would. But I have referenced you and Joyful Marketing on a podcast about abortion. Uh, I'm going to say at least a dozen times. Like, if you go to my website, it's like linked to Joyful Marketing. <laughs> because a lot of the things I learn through you, through your wisdom and your willingness to talk about hard stuff, is so relevant. It's so relevant. And I have met the most amazing people through your community and your and networks and like, yeah, you're good stuff that out means, there. <laughs> that means so much to me because to me, joyful marketing, it pretends to be about marketing, but it's really how to human yeah, and exactly. how to love yourself while you're humaning and love others while they're humaning. And I think good marketing comes out of that. And you, in my opinion, you can't skip the whole, like figure out how to be human stuff, because I think all of your business endeavors has to come out of that. Right. So that means the world to me that you talk about my marketing program on your abortion. So random. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm doing it again. (laughs) Joyful marketing. Thank you. So it's fantastic. So anyway, even though you've this is your first time on the podcast. It feels like you've been on the podcast before. <laughs> Yay. I feel like I've energetically been here. You have. Um, all right. I prefer when my guests introduce themselves in the way that feels right for you today, for this audience, whatever feels like it wants to be said. So why don't you just tell people who you are, um, what you do, and why you would say yes to coming on this show okay I said this this coming on the show because I love Amanda and everything she does and I think everyone in the world should know about it and anything I can do to help in that direction I am so happy um I am Simone I am right now I'm literally in my pajamas like when I showed up for this zoom recording with Amanda I told her that I hadn't even had a chance to look in the mirror today yet it's It's morning here where I am, and I've just been wrangling my one-year-old, and I have no idea what's happening with my face or my hair, but here I am. And I think that's, I mentioned this, not because it's random, but because it's kind of how I approach everything in life and how I teach my clients to approach everything in life, which is that the most beautiful, powerful work that we can do comes from our humanity. And it comes from all the parts of ourselves that society tells us is imperfect and less than and flawed and even defective and sort of learning how to at first tolerate and learn how to be with and then really delve into and celebrate all those parts of me has been where all of my best contributions have come from. And it's also where my greatest joy as a human being has come from. So I teach business and marketing through that lens. 
and mm-hmm. I'm the host of the Joyful Marketing Podcast. And I also have a program called Joyful Marketing, which Amanda just talked about. Um, it's a marketing training program, but it's really a how to be human training program. Ditto. <laughs> it is. <laughs> That's me. Well, as you were talking, I muted myself. I stood up because I'm wrangling my dog as we podcast, who's for some reason very anxious right now. I am in my pajamas of I've been Yay, in pajama for party. <laughs> the third. Yeah, but it's nighttime for me. Mm-hmm. I have recorded three podcasts today. I have had two coaching calls. Oh. I've been on a peer call all in my pajamas. So I'm right there with you. I am. I'm for the pajama party all the time. <laughs> Love it. Same here. Um, okay. So we hit record. Um, we hit record because we started talking about something really interesting. Um, I love Simone and of course I want her on the podcast, but as soon as she introduced this, um, sh- uh, something she is co-hosting, is it in September? Yep. Yeah. She introduced to, um, to all of us, the shame clinic, which is a five week intensive. And I was like, Oh, <laughs> now is the time we need, we need to talk about shame on the podcast. So right before we hit record, um, you started talking about something that I thought was very interesting and fascinating and we need to be recorded, which is shame as intersectional. So A, I want to hear, I would love for you to introduce to my audience your thoughts on shame, because as imagined in the abortion world, there's a lot of it. Um, but then, yeah, let's start with this idea that shame is intersectional. Let's kind of chat it out. <laughs> okay. So I'm going to tell you everything at once, which is I have struggled so badly with shame my whole life. I would say my, my, my teenage years, my twenties were driven pretty much entirely by shame. Everything I did, I did to either avoid shame or because of my shame (laughs) and shame kept me from going for, you know, I was like, Oh, you know, gifted child, whatever. Like I was good at school and everybody said, Oh, you have so much potential. And I had a lot of creative passions and I lived what I knew to be a very, very small life. And nobody was keeping me small except myself because I was so afraid to do anything and fail and feel shame to do anything and be rejected and feel shame. Um, and so my whole coaching journey, like the way I became a coach and grew my business as a coach, it came out of me wrestling with my shame. Like, how do I stop fucking hating myself? How do I stop just living every waking second of my life with this persistent, heavy knot in my chest? Like there's something profoundly broken about me. Right. So I feel very emotional saying this right now, because while I think goddesses do not live there anymore, I did for so long and it hurt so, so bad. And I do what I do to try to get as many people who are still there out of there. I feel like it's the project of our lives to learn Mm. that we are not broken. Mm. I know I'm like (laughs) making myself cry. Oh, it is the project of our lives, right? It's it's so wild too, because we come in knowing that and then we learn that we're broken and then we spend all this time and energy learning that we're not broken. So 
let me get on the next part of my spiel, which is that I don't know how, but you know, I was no stranger to like psychology and self-development and healing and all these ideas. Like even before I officially became a coach, like you better believe I've been consuming that shit my whole life. I've been like reading books, listening to things, like taking courses, like try, learn, trying to figure out how do I not feel like shit? How do I deal with the, the shame that's at the, at the root of me feeling like shit? And what no one told me until I kind of figured it out on my own. Well, I mean, with the help of some really great teachers, but what nobody, um, well, let me just say this. The thing that I learned that made the greatest difference is learning that shame, it's not like a natural emotion that humans have. Mm. This is contrary to what a lot of people think. It's not, mm -hmm. so we all have human emotions and even unpleasant, painful emotions are part of being human. They're part of a well-lived life, like emotions like anger, sadness, disappointment, frustration, rage, grief, you know, um, all of these are, you can't human well and not feel them. You can't go after big goals and big dreams and get to avoid these feelings. You can't, right? And if you dare to love, you will experience heartbreak. And if you dare to go for big dreams and goals, you will encounter the, 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 the you know, all the frustration and you know, all, the, all those emotions. So it's a very nice and true idea that quote unquote negative painful emotions are part of life. And we have to learn how to, allow them and how to process them, how to carry them. And that idea becomes toxic when it gets applied to shame because mm. shame is not a natural <laughs> human emotion that's good for us to have. And shame is doesn't have to be part of a well-lived life. Like shame doesn't belong anywhere in here mm -hmm. because shame is not something that we are born knowing how to feel. It's taught to us by a society that um, gets you to understand yourself, not by your own experiences, but by what other people say is wrong with you. Or it's basically, so, so for example, Amanda, you could tell me, Simone, you're stupid, right? And I could be like, wow, that hurts that Amanda would call me stupid, but I feel the hurt of that, but also I don't think I'm stupid. So right. whatever, right? But if, if you said, Simone, you're stupid. And somebody else who was sitting next to you said, um, hold on, what am I trying to say? Or, or let's say you said that, you said that, and somebody who was very close to me said, yeah, I mean, you think you're not stupid, but you actually are. And everybody thinks you're stupid. I mean, that's just an example. But if that got me to think, the question isn't whether I'm stupid or not, it's whether can I trust my own experience of myself? Mm right? Mm -hmm. it, it's also very close to gaslighting. Because if I said, oh, this thing happened, and it hurt me, and you said, well, that didn't happen, you weren't really hurt, yeah. you were just overreacting. Then what happens is, on top of the original hurt I experienced, it's that layer of, I am not a reliable narrator of my own experience. Mm. That is a head fuck. And that is what creates the shame. Yes. Yes. Right? Yeah, this is really in line with a theme of the week. Which, and yeah, the way I didn't write down the second way you said it, which was brilliant, of course, but you said, can I trust my own experience of myself? And um, 
shoot, I forget the second way you said it, but a theme in my coaching this week was like, I could have had that baby, right? Like I could have carried that pregnancy. I could Mm. have done it. Mm. And yeah, that's true. Like, I'm not going to argue with you. Like you probably could have in many, in most cases you could have. But did you want to? There were Mm. reasons, whether it was safety or lifestyle or medical, like there were reasons you didn't want to. And so you made the choice, even though sometimes it it was a trapped choice. And what happens is afterwards, we don't trust that want. Like we don't trust that experience Mm. we had. And so Mm -hmm. we look back and we're like, oh, I shouldn't have trusted myself, but it's only in retrospect with the influence of like media and religion and parents and like junk. But in that moment, I truly believe a lot, there is a lot of abortion that's self-preservation, but like most people make that choice in a moment where they know what they need, they know what they want, they do trust themselves, even if it's for a hot second. And then so quickly they forget that in that experience they were in, trust said, this is not right for you. What's well, right for you? Because saying no. there are so few sources in our society that tell us you can trust yourself. Yeah. Like your experience of yourself is valid. In fact, the whole society is set up in a way to invalidate that, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, no, don't trust what you want and what you decide. Trust what the religion says. Trust what, you know, these politicians say. Trust what your friends say. Trust what your parents say. Trust what these other people say, right? The, the dominant social norms, right? And so I think because there's so little awareness of like how to be sovereign in in our society like how to be in in our own experience and be in our own stories and be the protagonist of our stories and narrate our own stories to, to, to ourselves and believe it we get to internalizing all of our experiences understanding our own experience through these narratives of other people that we picked up and absorbed right so that's where shame comes from yeah. and I told Amanda right before we started recording, I was I I have this new idea that like again, I don't know if somebody else said it, so it's not actually new, but it's a new to me idea that shame is intersectional because the more so there are these layers interweaving layers of uh, systematic oppression in the world and whoever is at the top, whoever has the most privilege they they have the least in terms of like what society tells them like is wrong with them or they you know like there's le- they, they they encounter the least friction least resistance in terms of just like being in the world yes right <laughs> so if you're like a rich white male right then i actually i mean i'm not i don't have the statistics on it but i think those people feel the least shame <laughs> Right. Because there's nobody around them telling them you're doing it wrong. You are wrong. If you're a neurotypical, like straight, cis, rich, white male, then you don't have as much of external voices like um, sort of uh, what's the word? Um, 
challenging your own experience of yourself, right? Because straight, cis, rich, white males also are whole human beings, just like all of the rest of us. And the entire world around them affirms them as whole human beings. So what is there to feel ashamed about, right? But if you're a woman, ever since we're little, we are told to, we are taught how to understand ourselves through the eyes of others. Like, don't wear that. Girls have to be like this. If you do this, if you say this, that means you're that kind of girl. And right. So there's this, it, this incredibly um, complex, insistent, uh, codified socialization that girls or, you know, kids socialized as girls go through in, in order to disconnect ourselves from our own experience and to see ourselves through others. And that is where shame begins. And so if you're not a cis male, that's where the shame begins. And on top of that, if you're not white in a white dominant society, in a white supremacist society, there's the double that of like, if you're not, if you're of color, if you're black, if you're brown, if you're this or that, then here's all these other things you have to be aware of, which you weren't born thinking about, but now you have to understand yourself as black and black means this and other people think this about you, right? So I posted this great quote um, on Instagram two days ago or something by uh, W.E.B. Du Bois, which is, I might, I'm, I know I'm par- 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 paraphrasing it. It's not uh, verbatim, but he said, to be black is to be seen as a problem because of my blackness, right? Like that's how racism works is that the color of my skin, like I am understood as a human being as a problem because of the color of my skin. Mm-hmm. I could say, I mean, not that racism and sexism are this, obviously they're different, but in terms of intersectionality, it, we're living in a sexist patriarchal world to be a woman is to be a girl is to understand ourselves as a problem. And this begins very early and it continues our whole lives, right? If you're a young girl, here are 5 million ways something could be wrong with you. If you're a young woman, here's 5 million ways something could be wrong with you. If you're an aging woman, here's 5 million things, right? So it's like, there's, right? So that's why, and as somebody who's very outspoken about um, being ADHD and being neurodivergent, I would say neurodivergence is also a huge part of it. It's part of the intersectional Mm -hmm. oppression because as an ADHD person, as a, as a young person who was that, just the message is always like, what's wrong with you? Why can't yeah. you just da, 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 da. And when, when you know your own experience of yourself and of the world, and the world says, like what I heard so often dif- uh, growing up is like, why are you being so difficult? Mm. Why can't you just X, Y, Z? Why are you being so difficult? It all had to do with my ADHD, right? And I remember, I still feel this way sometimes. I feel, I remember feeling so like enraged and infuriated because I was never trying to be difficult. Mm. And in fact, I was, I was fighting with everything I had in my little young body to not be difficult because I hated being told I'm difficult. Who wants to be Mm. difficult? I want to be easy, right? And so that there, there's that friction of like how my experience of myself is like, I'm like, no, I'm trying so hard to be not to be difficult. And you're telling me as if I'm trying to be difficult. That I'm the, so that's that rupture is where shame happens. So I feel like I've driven that point home in terms of talking about abortion. And I, and I told uh, Amanda earlier, I have to come clean. I've never had one myself, but as a woman, you know, you experience reproductive shit. 
Um, it's what infuriates me about it is that it takes more than one person to get pregnant, right? And yet <laughs> it's just women or people who have wombs who carry all the shame. All the shame. All the shame. And so this makes me like want to double down, triple down on my message that stop fucking pretend that shame is like a necessary healthy emotion that you have to like learn how to process. You don't have to learn how to process abuse and oppression, mm-hmm. right? We have to fight it. We have to name it. We have to um, dismantle it, not like learn how to make peace with the effects of oppression, Right. To me, telling people that like, oh, you just have to like learn how to like allow your shame. It's just an emotion. Like learn how to feel it is like telling a black person like, oh, all the effects of racism. You just have to like it's part of life. Life isn't perfect. Just live with it. Learn how to forgive. And just it's just going to be a part of life. You got to do your best. You're like, no, fix racism fix intersectional oppression that makes women and people of color and poor people and da, 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 just walk around with like exponentially more shame than a cis hetero rich white male. Like that's not cool. I always wonder statistically, like we hear the statistic one in four women have an abortion by the time, you know, or people who can carry a pregnancy by the time they're in their forties. I've never heard the statistic about men. And my prediction is that men have been part of far more abortions than we have, Mm -hmm. right? Like, Mm -hmm. what is their statistic? And why have we never heard that? Like, it's a woman's problem. Everything's a woman's problem. Yeah, yeah. Um, So I kept circling back in my head to this project of the project of our lives being learning that we're not broken. And when you were talking, it's like, if you're difficult, you're broken. If you are of color, you're broken. If you are neurodiverse, you're broken. If you are- If you're fat, you're broken. Yeah, If, you, exactly. you know, if you're exactly. tired, you're broken. If you don't want a baby, you're broken. If you, you know, like- Yeah, and then the brokenness is your fault. It's like you, like you, you know, you're the one that's the problem for being broken versus the system having broken you. And so I just, I think, I don't know, circling back there felt like this, this is another reason it's the project of our lives because it's coming from so many places. Like, yeah, it's not like, let me fix it in this one place and I'll be good to go. It's like all over the place. And yep. so we, it's more just like stepping further and further into our worth but it's not that we're likely ever going to feel not broken as this is as society stands these days <laughs> like it it's it's a project it's a project of our lives of all yeah. of our lives yeah, yeah but you know I do want to I mean I know you will um see eye to eye with me here but like you really can feel better oh my gosh yeah there's there really actually is liberation on the other side. Your experience of life really truly can be of overwhelmingly like the gladness of being alive and the joy of connection and thriving. Like that really is available, right? I feel like too, I say to so many people, it's so much closer than you think. 
Yeah. Like it really is. It feels really far away and it feels really hard, especially when I'm talking about it in that, like all these systems are telling you you're broken, but it really is closer than you think. It It's so often like one compassionate understanding away, like hundred percent one widening of a perspective away one you were talking earlier about um oh shoot I forget what you were talking about what I wrote down was if you trust us we will take care of you like Mm. if you trust us we you can be in our community and they won't take care of you right (laughs) spoiler alert (laughs) Of course, we want to do the things that make us fit in the community. It's like, if you trust us and do what we say, you can be in our community. That's like human survival to want that. And what we are starting to build, like people like you, are places where it's like, come here, learn to trust yourself. And that's why you like, you belong in our community, because you trust yourself, not because you trust us. Um, and when we come from that, when we come into a place that's like, if I trust them, I belong anything that gets off kilter, we're going to feel shame. Oh, that's so good. Dog is freaking out. (laughs) He's just very excited about de-shaming the world. Um, I, that's so, so good. I think that's a beautiful alternate way of saying what I said, right? Which is, I said, shame happens when you like see yourself, not through your own experience, but through somebody else's eyes. And what you said is um, when you, I'm sorry, what did you say? (laughs) I don't want to say it wrong. I think they're saying like, oh, well, like trust them instead of trust me. Yeah. Yeah. That's where shame happens. hundred percent. Yeah. And I think there are so many institutions and cultures and sort of, you know, systems and the status quo that are happy to, for you to outsource your trust to them instead. And this even goes in the, I'm sorry to say in the coaching industry, right? Like I think unless we're being very intentional and conscientious about it, we can easily sort of perpetuate this dynamic of like, don't trust me, trust this tool. Don't trust me, trust this coaching ideology. Don't, right? Um, and it, that's not good. <laughs> and the, I think that I, we're, we become capable of authentic coach-client love when the client trusts themselves more than me, right? So that's always, because otherwise, if you trust me more than yourself, and you love me, that's not love. That's kind of like something else, right? Because because love, I think the whole love happens when I think one person is in their wholeness and another person is in their wholeness and they're choosing to relate and love each other from their respective wholeness, not when somebody's thinking, I am a half person, I am broken, I can't trust myself, so I'm going to outsource that to you. That's like codependency, right? Not love. So that's something that I talk about a lot with my clients. Like, um, I everything everything you try to do to get me to 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 trust me over your own self, I'm just gonna like hand that power right back to you and say, no, that power does not belong with me. It belongs with you. 
And sometimes it takes people a while and yeah. God, it take me all of my fucking life to know that I could trust myself. Right. And to, cause I think all of my life, um, I was just going around being like, can you save me? Can you make me whole? Can you make me feel not fucked up? Can you make me feel okay? And it was just, you know, getting coached. It was like, wait, no, no, you can't, you can't. It has to be me. Fuck. Right. <laughs> I, well, I first wrote down the question, um, like, to, to ask ourselves the question when we feel shame, like I first wrote it down as who am I giving my power to, but I, I don't even think giving is the right word. It's like, who has my power and how can I get it mm, back? Like who took it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like if, so like I wrote it down as giving, but I was like, no, it that's not, no. <laughs> it's like, who has my power and how yeah. do I get it back? That's what, how I release the shame. What systematic structures are like built into this world mm -hmm. and built into my psyche that got internalized in my psyche in a way where it systematically robs me of my power. Like you ask yes. that question, that's how we fucking fight shame. Yes, yes. Okay, what happens when we fight shame? What happens when we start releasing shame and like stepping First out of, all, of its might, cage? <laughs> you might piss off a lot of people. I mean, you might not. <laughs> Right. I mean, not everybody has this experience for some people. It's just like, yeah. And then it was amazing and everybody celebrated me. But for some people, it's like, you know, it, it offends people when you stop feeling ashamed mm -hmm. sometimes like, well, how dare you just trust yourself? <laughs> you know? <laughs> how dare you not walk around with your shoulders slouched all the time? Like we felt very validated by you fulfilling that role in our little society. Right. So that could happen. How dare you? Um, and I think you could trigger a lot of people who yeah. are hiding themselves and who are outsourcing their own trust. And it, they know that they, they want to get free too, but mm -hmm. seeing you get free, reminds them that they're not free. And so they think yes. they're just mad at you instead, but they're not really mad at you. They're mad at themselves. Yes. Um, but so those are sort of like the external effects that may or may not happen to various degrees, but, oh, actually, let me tell you this. Some, when I first was really actively working on my shame and I came out as a life coach because my shame kept me from ever saying I was a life coach out loud. Mm -hmm. I was way too ashamed about it. Um, I had like my worst fears about it came true, which is that my like quote unquote friends were kind of snickering about me behind my back being like, she called herself a life coach. Are you serious? That's so cringe. Right. So that was my worst fear. And the reason I didn't come out was because I didn't want people to do that, to snicker about right. me behind my back. And then, so when that actually did happen, I was, I actually felt so like liberated, like, yes, make fun of me. Yes. Yeah. Mock me like that fear. It's not that I enjoyed that, but that fear no longer controls me. And I, mm -hmm. I, that felt so powerful. Right. So out of, when you stop, um, when shame stops um, running your life, oh man, I think that's when you, I don't know, that's when you really, I mean, this sounds like such a cliche, but that's really, that's when you meet who you are. Mm -hmm. That's when you yeah. really begin to, if you're a creative person, and you have a lot of shame, you have no fucking idea what creativity you're capable of until you let go of the shame. Yeah. 
because it's literally like a va- it's like a thick like sludgy cloud that's ha- taking up space between you and your creativity anytime you try to create it's, it's like no shut it down it's not good enough shame 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 right so you you genuinely come into your own creativity and you can relate, you can open up and relate to others and genuinely authentically love other people as a whole human being rather than like use other people to like patch up holes in yourself that you think you have because you feel defective. And that's kind of how, what I was doing my, my all, all my life. I feel like I wasn't able to, like I'm very happily married to somebody that I'm so happy to be with. And I don't think I've ever, but I would have been able to achieve this quality of love if I didn't know that there is nothing wrong with me and that he doesn't need to save me. He doesn't complete me. I am whole, he is whole, and we are just choosing to love each other. Um, And this gives me such a profound peace of mind because I had a marriage before when that wasn't the case, right? Mm -hmm. I think both of us probably had a ton of shame and we were trying to like fill the holes in our like brokenness with each other. And I know how precarious that feels. And every day I'm so grateful to myself for doing the work to be able to be whole in a relationship. Mm-hmm. Right. So um yeah. How okay, so here's some questions. How when you processed when you released some of the shame so that you could feel whole as a human entering a relationship and then you bumped into shame again were you like wait a second been here done this why does it feel like why does it feel harder in business than it did in relationships or like um because I think in some sense when we feel shame recognize it and learn what to do with it we can do that again in a different situation yeah and again yeah. in a different yeah. situation um but in your case do you remember times that was like okay this is a different situation same feeling and I have no idea what to do with it like 100 percent. Yeah. yeah um and it's I think it's because so first of all I think it is possible to get like 98% free from shame and to live in a place that is really genuinely, deeply and sustainably shame-free, right? I feel like I've achieved mm-hmm. it and I am so fired up to help other people achieve it. However, like you said, when there's something new, when you are um, creating growth in a new realm, there's a whole different set of external triggers mm-hmm. that can um, sort of activate those old withering neural pathways of those same shame stories right and it can feel in the body like they're back but what I um what I want people to know is to be able to like narrate what's happening to themselves which is that it's not that shame is back it's that shame is a set of stories where I can't trust myself and those old withering neural pathways are being activated again but those Every time those neural pathways are less strong than before, yeah. less strong. Yeah. And, and it's, it's just a question of recognizing, oh, there are those neural pathways again. Oh, there's that nervous system response that has been wired probably for most of us for decades. That is just like being lit up in my body. That's all that's happening. It's not like, oh no, all my shame came back. 
Yes, right? exactly. <laughs> and when you, and if you've been practicing this a while, then you know, or at least if you achieve freedom from shame in one area of your life, like you said, you can kind of copy and paste, you can, it's going to be so much easier to re-rehearse those thoughts and beliefs about yourself in a new realm. So what I'm trying to say is, it's not a binary of like, oh, I have, I experience shame and these trigger shame in me versus I am completely free. I never feel shame again. It's, it really is like, a, it's a set of muscles, right? It's, it's like working out, you get stronger and it doesn't mean you never feel weak, but the muscles you built are never going away. And so it might feel very real mm-hmm. in, and visceral in the moment. It's like, oh my God, I, I have the shameful shame reaction, but that doesn't mean like shame has taken over you again. It's just like those yeah. old withering, old, old, old new neural pathways just got lit up again. And all you have to do is remind yourself of that and know that you are not that reaction and that nobody could blame you for feeling this, uh, for having this be activated again when we are living in a society with so much fucking entrenched inter- intersectional oppression. And we just like stay with the practice of like, what, what, you know, what is the truth that I'm telling myself? Like, how do I re- regulate my nervous system, right? And really each time it does get, it does get, uh, you do get stronger. Those muscles do get more robust. Yeah, yeah. I think a lot of people feel shame after abortion. Um, like a lot of people struggle telling people they love or telling their story out loud. And so that's an example where someone might work through and release shame when they're around their partner or their best friend, but then they tell a new stranger and they, it's like all comes back and they think, Oh no, I've regressed. Like I'm feeling shame again. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) And what's really happening, I think is they're expanding. Like, of course I'm feeling shame again. I'm growing, I'm reaching out further. I'm stretching. I'm, um, but I think it's so common for humans to be like, oh no, I thought I figured it out and I didn't. It's like, no, this is just, yeah, go ahead. And also the other thing that really helps is that when those shame attacks happen, there's always um, what I call like clean pain that is that is hiding underneath, which if you were able and willing to identify the clean pain that wants to be felt and feel that instead, the shame will become, it'll like feel pointless. So for example, let's say you already told some people about your abortion, but you're about to tell a new person about your abortion and and you're feeling that shame all over again. Maybe it's not the shame that needs to be felt, but maybe it's just, um, uh, the, the, the fear that is very natural to humans of a new experience or the fear of uncertainty, yeah. right? Like if we only ever did things that w- where we knew the outcome was guaranteed, we would never have new experiences. So, huh, I'm noticing that I am feeling the, the, the discomfort of uncertainty. That is something that is natural and normal and I'm willing to feel it. Or yes. I am feeling the pain of rejection, or of potential mm-hmm. rejection, that is also real. Or if somebody criticized you for, for your abortion and you weren't expecting them to, that could be the pain of being misunderstood, pain of being rejected. Those are emotions you want to feel as long as you are a human being who cares about other human beings and, and, and values connection. When a connection has been ruptured, you want to feel pain about that. 
right? Mm-hmm. So maybe it's those pains. And when you are really present for the, the, that clean pain of being a human, having new experiences, opening up for new connection, being available to tell the truth, right? All the normal healthy pain that comes with then with that, if you're fully feeling that, then there won't be room for the shadow pain of like, you're a bad person. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there might be, I mean, it's, it, you might still feel, but it won't be as strong if you're present for the clean pain. So that's, I always direct people, like if you feel shame, um, I talk about a lot with my clients um, in terms of like business stuff, like, oh, I, my, I didn't meet anywhere near my launch goal, right? And then their brain straight, goes straight to like, you're unworthy, you're bad, you're wrong. Yeah. But then, so that's the, that's the bullshit shame. So, but what's the actual, it doesn't mean you don't feel bad. I want you to feel bad, but the clean pain sort of bad, right? Disappointed. Disappointed. Like be yeah, disappointed, be heartbroken, be frustrated. Yeah. Because that will happen if you have goals, if you're making stuff happen, if you're expanding. So when they find that, just in the act of like finding the clean pain, I think a lot of the shame just dissolves. Like, oh, I didn't need that. I just need to feel the disappointment of not getting what I wanted, which is going to keep happening for as long as I'm going for big dreams and goals. Yeah. 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 Would you add anything to the list of what shame sounds like? Like I'm bad, I'm broken, I'm damaged, I'm unworthy. Yeah. What does it sound like in our head? (laughs) I would actually say that it doesn't, it rarely actually says those sentences. Okay. Right. I think it's very, very sneaky. I mean, sometimes it does. Sometimes it's like, you're bad, you're broken, but it's a lot more sneaky. I think like 90% of the time, it's more like, you should have da, 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 yeah. instead of, yeah. or you shouldn't have Should've done that. Shame. Yeah. Or if only you hadn't done da, 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 da. Yeah. If, if only you were more blah, blah, blah. If yeah. only you could change, fix, heal, improve X, Y, Z about yourself, then you could da, 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 yeah. Right. So it's these very, it's very subtle. It's the things that you don't that you take for granted that you need to fix about yourself. Oh, if only I were 10 pounds lighter. If only I could have a better money mindset. If only I could, you know, be more self-compassionate. Like these things sound so legit. It sounds like very good self-improvement goals, right? (laughs) And, And that's why a lot of shame like hides in the coaching industry in this way. But when it, when you peel back the layers, it's not actually an impulse towards self like improvement, whatever the fuck that means, but it's really like, but here's this one other thing that is wrong with you. And if, if you could achieve this, then you'll be whole and good. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I would say, um, just, just look for all the things that you try to like heal about yourself that you think need to be improved. Um, all the shoulds, shoulds are such a, it's like the best, um, like red flag for where shame is hiding all the shoulds. Absolutely. Oh, okay. Um, I don't know. I feel like it could be a place of completion. Is there any tool or reminder or thing that you feel like wants to be said on this podcast before we close hmm I mean this could be 
very basic, but I think a very um a very basic step that actually doesn't feel basic a lot of the times mm-hmm. is to just like cut out the people and the influences in your life who sometimes the fix is very easy like block this person stop talking to that person right I think of you almost every time I block someone good I used to do it anyway but I think now I think of you I'm like heck yeah bye there's a reason there's a reason that certain family dynamics um sort of trigger and perpetuate like certain mental health issues because like who you surround yourself with matters and sometimes when you think you have to do a fuck ton of work on yourself and your brain you have to do this healing and that healing all the need for that just instantly goes away when you just cut like three people out of your life (laughs) yeah yeah and we have this programming as like oh if you're like be a good girl like be nice to everybody don't offend anybody you have to like keep everybody in your life forever even at the cost of your and that's that's bullshit Um, and so in your personal life, yes. And also online, please like do a scan. This is like a really good mental Mm -hmm. hygiene. Do a scan of everyone you're following, everyone who just kind of ended up on your Facebook feed, on your TikTok feed, whatever that you started, you became friends with that you started following because of whatever the fuck reason and ask yourself, is this presence in my life it has nothing to do with whether they're a good person bad person whether you like them don't like them love them don't love them you could love them and like them and think that they're a great person and yet is their presence in my life Mm -hmm. helping me to trust myself and to be at ease with myself as I am or is it doing the opposite right and you'll be amazed what happens when you just start kind of filtering and curating for that because doing that that very act is a revolutionary subversive act of self-advocacy right and you got to understand it's not that act is not against other people it is for you when you block someone it's not saying fuck them it's saying this is what I I I need space for in my life this is what I'm choosing you're choosing for Mm -hmm. yourself not against them right so very like quote unquote simple act that can counteract so much shame in your life. Yeah. I I wrote down the question, how am I unconsciously but voluntarily exposing myself to people in places where I feel consistent shame? (laughs) Like yeah, yeah. Because I think sometimes it's very unconscious. Like we don't realize and then maybe we realize we're like, but I have to or no, because they remember it's not that you mm-hmm. did it it's they did it to you because they told you over and over yeah. we are more worthy of your trust than you are yeah like you can't trust yourself to get xyz that you want through yourself you have to get it through us right it is deliberate and malicious yeah. i mean it's not always like very that malice i don't think is always conscious but it is built into this intersectional oppression, right? I think we just accept so much of it unconsciously. And so almost asking yourself, how am I unconsciously? It sounds ridiculous because if it's unconscious, how could I pull it up? But I think even just asking the question makes you dig a little deeper, like to the places you're more subtly exposing yourself to shame. Yeah. 
it's like, well, but it's my sister and I love her or exactly. it's like that kind of stuff. Where it's oh, like, but it's this, it's this person and they, I learn a lot from them. And it's like, yeah, both things could be true. Your sister could yes. love you and be a shaming influence in your life. You're that person could be really wise and you could have a lot, ton to learn from them that would benefit you. And also they could be a shaming influence in your life, right? Like yeah. all of we got to allow for this complexity. If somebody's shaming you, it doesn't mean they're bad. It doesn't mean they don't love you. It doesn't mean anything. It just means that we're all part of this like intersectional oppressive matrix. And you gotta, you gotta choose you. Yeah. Right. And when you are, when you feel here's, here's, here's the last thing I'll say, when you feel safe in your body and in your own mind and you trust yourself and you fill up on that self-trust and self, um, the, the quality of being at ease with yourself, that is the most loving, kind, and generous you will ever be. You want to be a loving, kind, and generous person, fill up on self-trust first. If you haven't, you are nowhere near the full potential of generosity that you can be in, the kindness, the lovingness. Yeah. Thank you so much. Well, that was a very interesting episode with, with I don't, still don't know what was happening with my dog. <laughs> now your baby's like, hello. I know. <laughs> it's so good. I love it. This is the reality. Um, thank you so much for being here. Um, what's, the, what's the place you like people to find you and where can they learn more about the shame clinic if they're of the, you know, if they're an entrepreneur yeah. or. So you can listen to my podcast, Joyful Marketing. You can just search for that. Um, the place I hang out the most is on Instagram. You can find me at, uh, at simone.grace.soul. Um, yeah, come follow me. Let's hang out. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank well, you. it is morning for you. So have a great day. I'm going to go wind down. Okay, perfect. <laughs> see you later. And we'll see you in the world out there. All right. Bye. I have a secret for you. <laughs> There's something special after the um, exit music of this podcast and you don't want to miss it. So make sure you listen all the way to the end. Thanks for listening. And as always, please consider sharing, rating, and reviewing this podcast. It helps me reach a wider audience and invites more people to thrive after abortion. If you're someone who chose abortion and find yourself struggling, hiding, or wishing you could move beyond your experience, head over to my website and book a free call. We'll talk about how you can start living the life you made your choice for. Hey, if you've been following me for a while, you know that sometimes I get a hot idea and I run with it. And that happened today in my business mastermind today and I was thinking um, which is just this amazing group of people who are serving the world with their gifts and they are um, taking what they've what they feel inside what they know to be purposeful and true and serving and they are reaching people with their gifts Um, it's an amazing place Anyway, I was in there today and I got a hot idea and here we are implementing it. So most people who find me find the podcast. They either search in their favorite app, their favorite podcast listening app, or they search in 
Google or some kind of search engine and they find the podcast. And that is usually a point one introduction um, to people finding me and my work. And the podcast is something I've just been putting out for over 150 episodes and I'm just like the Energizer Bunny. I go and go and go um, because it feels good and it feels right and I know it's valuable for you all. And today I thought, how can I make it even more valuable for you all? Because so many of you are finding me who will never uh, work with me personally or who will listen for a long time before you hire me. And I was thinking about you all today and I was thinking when I started this podcast, um, I had an intention of having like a podcast guide so you could work alongside the podcast um, to increase your healing, to find more peace, to access some freedom on your own without hiring me as a coach or joining one of my containers. Or in addition to hiring me as a coach and joining one of my containers. And today, I decided it was time to revive the podcast idea, the podcast guide idea. So I am starting a document um, in which you will have access to podcast guides. The words I wrote down... um, the words I wrote down when I was in my coaching call today were make this podcast your coach, right? Like make me your coach through the platform of this podcast. Now I say that with a personal knowing that there is nothing quite like investing in coaching. I have invested tens of thousands of dollars into coaching myself. That's completely changed my life. But I also know that it's not accessible to everyone and there's so much work we can do on our own without hiring someone um, or in addition to hiring someone. And so I thought, how can I make this podcast your coach even if we never get to talk in person or never get to be your hired coach? And... Hence was born this evening, the new podcast guide. So there's a link on my website or in my Instagram app. And I want you to hop over to that, either following me in Instagram or over to my website. Sign up for the list so that you have access to the podcast guide and you can make this podcast your coach. You can make me your coach whether we ever work together or not, because this work is so vitally important. It is life-changing to find peace and freedom after abortions, and I want that for you. I want that for you so badly. So this is my new gift to you. Spread the word. Tell everyone you know. Uh, You can change your life with this podcast and this new podcast guide. Hop over to my website. Hop over to Instagram. Sign up for my list. Make it happen. Buy yourself a pretty new journal. Get started. Or fire up your printer. Make sure you have enough ink. And hit print. Reach out to me anytime. I'd love to take this work further for you. But I know 
that you are fully capable of changing your life with this new tool.